And so I want to talk about two simultaneous revolutions. And we're going to start to read out of the book of Isaiah. And I'm going to just speak about a couple of prophetic things that the scripture covers when it comes to what's going on with Israel and Damascus and biblical prophecy, just to keep these things you know, kind of forefront in your mind as we see prophetic events happening around the world. And I'm going to explain what these two revolutions are because there's a revolution of a war cycle that we're in where you see upticking of war around the world, wars and rumors of wars. But on the other side, in the supernatural, there's an uptick of a move of God and revival and people hungrier than anything I've ever seen. And so the warfare for a remnant person, what is a remnant person? It's a true Christian. That's what a remnant, somebody who actually follows the word of God and lives it out and loves the Lord, hungers and thirsts for righteousness. If you're doing those things, if you're standing for truth and righteousness, there's a very good chance that you are dealing with a spiritual warfare, uh, probably unlike you've ever seen in your life. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm just going to address it hands out because it, we, I am, and we've been in ministry for many years, but I've never seen it coming from like every angle, like right now. And the design is to wear us down. That's the design. So what the Lord is showing in strategy right now is how not only we overcome that, but we understand what's going on and we, we get it from a biblical perspective because that then assures us and then we have the weapons of our warfare, which we know we're on the winning team and we win, right? So it's just, it, it's, it's a mental preparation, I feel like. It's like a discipline right now that before it gets super crazy, God is, is you know, showing us how we're going to live and not only sustain, but thrive. But it's that in it, but not of it, scripture. And, and really separating ourselves from the bad news, because how many know in Jesus Christ, that's the good news. We got the good news. So there's going to be, we already know the world's going to give us bad news. So what, what else should we expect coming from the world? But bad news, of course. But in Christ, we have the good news. So that's what, the scripture says, uh, focus on what's pure, what's holy, what's righteous. That's really coming to life for me in this season, you know. Uh, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, what are, we, what are we looking at? What are we feeding our soul? You know, what are we engaging in? Why is the warfare so significant? So I'm going to try to paint a picture here. And there's a lot of notes. So I don't know how much we're going to get through today. But it'll, it'll kind of from a high level just explain everything, what's going on. So in Isaiah 17, out of the New King James, I'm going to pray. Lord, we just thank you for this time. We just invite your presence. Give me an unction of your spirit tonight. I pray every person that hears these words from you would be touched and be encouraged, be strengthened. We thank you for your word. It's a lamp unto our feet. It's our daily bread. And we just love you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. In Isaiah 17, 1, reading out of the New King James, it says, Behold, Damascus will cease from being a city, and it will be a ruinous heap. So in this prophecy... Isaiah is speaking of the destruction of Damascus, Syria's capital, which is the oldest uh, continuously inhabited city. It's one of the oldest in the world. And although it has seen conflicts, it's never been a ruinous heap before. It's never, that's never happened. When we talk about ruinous heap, you think about Hiroshima or Nagasaki. or That, that was a ruinous heap. There's none left. Now, they rebuilt. Anybody that's been to Japan knows that. It's actually thriving now. But it took many years. It, there's many things that happened. This is a prophecy in the scripture that says there will be, at some point, something that happens to Damascus, that it will be a ruinous heap. Now, I want to just paint this picture prophetically because people say, what well, do you think is going to happen right now? It could, 
but I don't feel that yet. I think right now things are being set up and alignments are being forged and we're seeing who's gonna you know, partner with who and we're in this very amazing time on the prophetic timetable where now it's really, the Bible is coming to life, revelations coming to life and the Lord is just continuously showing us how accurate scripture is. But I will say every time there's anything that goes on in Israel, you'll get the prophetic people out there that'll say, this is it, you know, we gotta be careful because we're not sure yet, but you know, we feel an urgency in our spirit and I know many of you feel, as I do, that the birth pains are increasing and they're, they're, you know, the depth of them, the strength of them is increasing. So it's showing that we're getting closer. Amen? So it, it not, I'm not saying it's going to happen this year. I'm not saying it's... But I, what I feel, and this is my opinion, is that God is setting things up right now. And I think that it, it might get really intense and then there might be a little lull. And then next time it'll get... It's like everything is being set up for what's going to happen. But the end is not yet. And so two simultaneous revolutions are happening. Um, that's just something to keep in mind. If you go into Ezekiel 38 through 39, we're basically, uh, I'll read from Ezekiel 38, 2 through 5 right now. And this is uh, where many people are talking about Gog and Magog right now because we're seeing Russia going into its alignments. And isn't that interesting? So this is Ezekiel 38, 2 through 5. Ezekiel 38, 2 through 5. And by the way, uh, while you're turning there, these chapters don't mention Syria directly, but they describe a coalition of nations that come together against Israel in the last days. Okay, and many interpreters believe that some of these regions and peoples mentioned may encompass modern-day Syria, which I happen to agree. So with that in mind, we're going to read Ezekiel 38, 2 through 5 out of the New King James. It says, Son of man, set your face against Gog, the land of Magog, the prince of Rush, Misha, and Tubal, and prophecy and prophesy against him and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, and Meshach, and Tubal, and I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, and I will lead you out with all of your army, horses and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords, Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya, are with them, all of them with shield and helmet. So the coalition described here includes the nations and territories surrounding Israel. So there's this build up that's happening. Now, many believe that we're gonna be raptured out of here before this happens, some believe not, but the, the, the uh, war of Gog and Magog is different, uh, according to most theologians, than the, the, the final war you know, in Armageddon. So we gotta keep that in mind too. Uh, but the coalition described here is the nations and territories surrounding Israel and the exact identity of Gog and Magog, Magog is debated. But some scholars believe this could point towards regions in modern day Turkey, Russia, and Syria. And regardless of their exact identities, the coalition represents an alliance that will conflict with Israel and it's gonna be an end time event. So this is going to happen. And what I find just so interesting about the times that we're in is these alliances are forming. Now Turkey is currently a member of NATO but they're literally going against the NATO nations and they've been consistently doing this for some time. So it's pretty apparent that Turkey is gonna, you know, stand with the Muslim world and they've, they've been very adamant about this, very outspoken about this. So this is what's happening. So, you know, if you've been to Israel or if you followed Israel and the government there and the things over the years, you've seen there's been skirmishes, there's been, you know, wars over the years. 
But now this is an increase. Anybody that I've spoke to in Israel or that's, you know, involved in, in anything over there, they're telling me, Todd, this is different. And tell everybody in America this is different. This is a much different conflict. It's much more serious. We haven't seen anything like this since what happened in Nazi Germany. That's basically what it's, you know, it's, they're saying this is our 9-11. It's even worse. So that's how this is being viewed. And there's all different types of opinions and challenges and military alliances that are happening. And so that's why the church, the remnant, is feeling this urgency because we know that this is, in fact, prophetic. And so this is why I'm just covering these things to kind of have this in mind. In uh, Zechariah 12, 2 through 3, which I'll read in a moment, Zechariah 12, 2 through 3, this is just um, a commentary which is signifying the end times that Jerusalem will become a focal point of global contention. So if you got the Zechariah 12, say amen if you're there. Okay, it says this. It says, Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples. All who would heave it away will surely be cut to pieces through... through um, though all nations of the earth are gathered against it. So there's this time period that's coming where the nations are going to gather against Israel, but regardless of all these armies, they're going to be defeated by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. And so we've gone over prophetically why we stand with Israel. We've talked about the Abrahamic covenant in the last few weeks. We've talked about the Davidic covenant. We've talked about the new covenant. We've explained that even though Israel is... Uh, many, many Jewish people are not following Yeshua. They're not following Messiah. But yet that's actually something that's part of God's end time redemption story. So the, the covenant that God made was an unconditional covenant. And he said, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And that we are not, uh, we have not replaced, uh, you know, the, the chosen people, but we've been grafted into the vine in the new covenant. Amen. So we've kind of covered all that, but I just wanted to kind of bring that up again. So this prophecy signifies that in the end times, Jerusalem will be the focal point of global contention. The nations surrounding Israel, which includes Syria, will be laying siege to it. However, God promises to protect Jerusalem and make it burdensome to those who oppose it. So we know that God of heaven and earth is going to intervene. And interpreting these, it's essential to approach them with humility and discernment. Because many details are complex. There's all different types of people online that will give a little bit of variances here and there. And I'm not going to profess to be like an expert in this area, but I'm just covering what's actually in the scripture. And I would encourage everybody to study this a little bit more. Uh, but I will tell you among pastors and leaders and rabbis that I know, it, there's a lot of debate over some of these things. But what we do know is that these events are going to happen. And uh, they're prophetic and they are significant. And what I think is very important is that these events are at least beginning to play out on the world stage. And there's many different layers to this. I mean, I can get into the dollar being the global reserve currency. I can get into the shifting of world power right now where China is rising. Um, there's all different types of things that are leading to the same thing. So I call them data points. You know, if you look at just one data point, sometimes it's not that significant. But when you put them together, and you realize this is happening, this is happening. I mean, think about the fact that they're trying to bring out a digital currency. Uh, this is well underway. I've spoken, in fact, my wife was with me. We were sitting at a table with some, some leaders, and there was a prominent banker at the table, and we were having this conversation. He was secular. I think he was a secular Jew, actually. 
secular, and he actually thought it was the greatest thing. He says, this is inevitable. He says, we have to do this. He says, honestly, a lot of crime is, is committed and paid for by cash. This will be a way to eliminate that. He was giving all the good reasons. See, if you're in, in, not in the spirit of God, and you're, you're in another, you know, another spirit, not, not God, these things are going to be good. So that's why sometimes when we have debate or we speak to somebody and they're not in the Holy Spirit, they're in another spirit, they're going to think, well, you're crazy. Oh, my goodness, here you go, talking about that conspiracy stuff again. You know, who cares if it's digital? What, do you have something to hide? I don't have anything to hide. That's, these are the arguments that people will tell you. They'll say, what's the big deal? I don't have anything to hide. They're not going to bother me. There you go. That's right. In Canada, we know that there, there were bank accounts that were frozen. We already know. See, if you're in the spirit, you, you already know. You, you, you know this is a problem. And so everything is being put together for this B system right now. And, you know, every, anybody that's been alive for many, many years, you know it's never been this fast and this much. And even though they kind of pull back for a second and try to make you feel okay, and then they come forward real fast. They wait for events, they wait for certain things, and then all of a sudden it's right ready to roll out. You know, I, I've spoke to many Congress people over the last couple of years. We've, we've had a ministry to D.C. and into Washington and to, you know, government. So I've sat down with governors. We've sat down with governors. We've sat down with, you know, elected officials, senators, Congress people. I even ran a congressional campaign a long time ago. But, you know, so for many years, and, and we've given them biblical counsel. And so uh, I've spoke to some of these, you know, Congress people, and they say, you know, these bills, we don't put them together. They say they're like this thick of like hundreds of pages and, and we don't even know what's in them. <laughs> we just know we're told to vote for them. Some people are, are more astute and they'll actually go through them to the best of their ability or they'll have their staffers going through. And you know, some of these guys come out and they say, hey, we don't, we don't wanna put this bill through because this is in it or that's in it. Sometimes it works, but you know what they do is they wait until there's some event or something that happens, let's say a big mass shooting or something, and then all of a sudden they, you know, or they attach it to funding. This is another thing that they do. They attach it in these other bills that has nothing to do with this bill. And all of a sudden it's like something is just thrown in there. And the next thing you know, it's the law of the land. So they've been doing this for a long time. And I just want you to know, because I know these people personally, a lot of these Congress people don't know any more than you and I do. Uh, it's very sad, but it's true. So who's putting the bills together? That's what I want to know. It's lobbyists, it's special interests, it's, it's, it's people that are behind the scenes, the same people that gave President Trump a hard time, the, the, the same people that are in the intel community, and so this is deep. And so you start trying to talk about any of this stuff, and guess what happens? Facebook starts shutting you down and pushing you down in the feed. Why would Facebook do that? Why am I like so censored as a pastor? Now, think about this, because there's barely any pastors. Think about it. And if there are, send them my way. I'd love to meet them. But no, most people don't talk about this stuff. So as long as you keep it pretty, you know, clean and you don't go into any of these areas, they'll, they'll let you do whatever you want. You notice the people that are saying there's a flat earth, they don't care about that. They don't fact check that. They don't fact check uh, the Trekkies and, you know, all the different people that are out there that are saying things that other people would argue they're untrue. But you start speaking the truth like this to where you get to the jugular and you watch how fast your feet's taken down. And you watch how fast they come after you in a bunch of different ways. I'm telling you, it's crazy. The more you say, the more you do, the more they come after. They try to hit you where it hurts in different ways. It's, it's crazy. But that's how you know you're over the target. 
It is the enemy, and it's the same spirit. It's that same antichrist spirit, the same spirit that tried to lock down the church, the same spirit that tried to shut us up from praise. In California, they said, you can't even praise. Why? You know, and we, we watch people all the time with the mask, and it's like there was this one guy that was masked up, and then he sits down at the table, and all of a sudden he takes it off. It's like you're in the same room. Like, what, what changed? It's really just a, a mentality. It's, you know, and, and I always watch, like, when we were on the planes during the, you know, situation, I won't say the word, you know, we would, we would get on the plane, everybody would, like, make sure you have it over your face, and then you would sit down. But when the drinks come by, you're allowed to take it off for the drinks. And then, so I would just keep a drink in my hand the whole time. And every time they would come by, I'd just sip, you know. <laughs> if you ever need to do that, it works. <laughs> I'm always looking for a way around it. You know? But anyways, I mean, this is the crazy stuff that's going on. So in the world where darkness seems to prevail, there's a parallel, brighter, spiritual, powerful, anointed situation that's happening. And so I mentioned some of these things just to be looking out for these things. You don't have to turn there because I'm going to go through these quick. But in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 2, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 2, it says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. And men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to their parents, unthankful and unholy. And this is talking about the moral decay. And I have to tell you, we've noticed this even in the last few years because there was a little lull of us uh, having a church. But, you know, y'all are great people. It's, it's just, you know, other people that we've dealt with. There's just a lot more anger. Have you noticed it? There's a lot more um, disobedience. There's a lot of people that just don't want to, you know, even hear anything holy or nice or, you know, they'll, they'll snap at you demonically and you're like, what in the world just happened, you know? Um, it, have, have you guys noticed that's like increased recently? Uh, I even remember when we moved to Nashville, one of the great things that I love is like you drive down the street, everybody waves, you know, that's so awesome. Um, in LA, it was like fight or flight. Like you had to like literally have a fast car to just accelerate just to get over because no one lets you over. Here I've noticed like people let you over. But in the last couple years, it's becoming more like where we came from. Now, that's probably because a lot of people are moving here. But I, I think also it's the spirit of the age. How many of you guys have noticed that, right? So, yeah, there, yeah, don't, don't bring that here. <laughs> so we got to be a brighter light. Um, Second Peter 3, yes. Second Peter 3, 3. It says, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking around according to their own lusts. There's people that are going to mock us and scoff us and tell us we're crazy. You're crazy. You know, you're, you're one of those people that believes all that crazy stuff. Um, they're trying to discredit the Bible, even though they can't. Um, you know, we've heard the phrase, trust the science, which is ridiculous because they don't trust the science when it comes to gender. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's convenient, right? Um, guys like Fossey became like a hero to some people, which is insane, right? I mean, this guy, so, um, you know, there's some people that think he's like the cat's meow, you know? Um, you know, you got people that love that, uh, Navarro Noah Harari guy, which he's about as demonic as you can get. Um, you know, there's people that have stepped on the scene that honestly, with our discernment, we just know right away, these people are very demonized but yet they're being hailed by the world. We've seen leadership that's become reprobate. We see leadership that's to the point, and I believe it's judgment on our country in some aspect, where we have leaders that can't even speak. 
It can't even, and it's not just one. Have you guys seen that one guy? I think he's up in Pennsylvania, maybe, or Philly. Fetterman. He's another one that barely can speak. You had him and President Biden. They were together, and they're both having this, like, jabberish conversation. I don't know if anybody saw that. I thought, my goodness. You know, so that's a spirit. They, they are given to an unholy spirit. And, and, and there's actually people that are going to defend these folks, you know, but it's, it's literally beyond... Like, like anybody with just a rational mind that's lucid is like, what are, what's going on here? You know, so this is part of the reprobate mind. This is part of the demonic because when it metastasizes to a place where everything is corrupt, where the local governments are corrupt, where, where we're seeing school boards that are corrupt, where they're pushing absolute nonsense on our kids. And again, you say these things publicly and you are censored, you are persecuted. So this is a spirit of antichrist that's rising. So all these things, we're seeing biblical prophecy taking place. We're seeing nations aligning, just as the Bible said. We're seeing all the, the prophetic things coming together. And so this is why many Christians are weary because it's heavy. And it's a lot. And we're dealing with it not only on the grand scale, but we're dealing with it in our personal lives. Some with our children, some with some friends, people that we knew, people that were in school with us. So, so not only are we dealing with the warfare on the macro, but we're dealing with it personally. Some of us are being persecuted at jobs, from family members. And so this is all set to make us weary. It is all set to make us feel surrounded, to make us feel beat down. And so what I feel like God is showing us, we were... And all I can tell you is, like, I've been to a lot of tent revivals the last couple of years, okay? And what I've noticed, and, and we've been in ministry for a long time, but there's more hungry people. And, and it's not just, like, the, you know, church folks being recycled. I'm talking people that have come off of addictions, people that have come. I've seen drug sacks left at altars. I've seen weapons. I've seen people are just leaving stuff. I mean, piles sometimes. You know, we've been on like gravel in the middle of nowhere and people are getting slain in the spirit that have never been in a church before in their life. You know, getting delivered and healed and all this stuff's going on. So, so this is upticking as well. So as I was standing on the stage the other day and I'm, I'm just looking at this massive tent full of like thousands of people and a lot of them are unchurched and a lot of them are misfits and prodigals and people that have never been in the church before. And, and I started feeling overwhelmed and I felt like the Lord was just showing me that what's happening is it's two simultaneous revolutions. There's the revolution of, of global impact, which we're seeing, which is the Bible is now showing us all these things are coming together. And these are just to show us of signs as, as believers in Christ. Okay, you know what? This is happening. And it might not happen for two years or five years. I don't want to get you scared. Like it could be five, 10 years, but something is going to change in, in the economic system. Something is going to change in our, our government. We're going to see global changes when it comes to the world order. And all these things are exactly what the Bible said would happen. So what do we do? So the deal is, there's going to be some good things. Praise God. As Christians, we are in the world, but we're not of it. And our identity is anchored in Christ. I want to turn to Isaiah 61.1. Isaiah 61.1. We're going to go through some good news here. In Isaiah 61.1, in the New King James, it says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison for those who are bound. God equips his people. If you think about David, he had his lion and his bear experience. Many of you have had your lion and bear experience. 
Some of you have been through tough marriages. You've been abused in the past. You've had something happen in your childhood. You've gone to jail. That's okay. You know what? If you've repented, you moved on. But God is going to use those things for his glory. And that's why we have to be careful not to just kick people out of their, you know, uh, remnant people, but their, their misfits and prodigals. There's going to be folks coming in with blue hair, with green hair, with earrings, with, you know, tattoos. With, and, and historically in the church, and trust me, I know we've all been in one of these, you know, there's people that would have just said, you can't even come in here. But we're going to have to be aware these folks are going to be coming. And I believe they're going to be coming in the droves. God has put a real heart for misfits and prodigals to me. I mean, I'm telling you, I feel like he's just getting us ready and saying there's going to be, this is like the prayer group. This is the, the core. This is the, you know, y'all are like, you, you're going to be laying hands on the sick and, and praying for these people and showing them the love of Jesus. And so that, that's the remnant church is going to, we're not going to be like saying, oh, you're too dirty to come here, you know. Or, oh, you know, because you look that way, you can't come here. We're going to be, come, come, those who are weary, you know, come and, you know, taste the goodness of God. Come, come to the altar and feel the presence of the Lord. We're going to lay hands on these folks and get them healed and set free and delivered. And that's why the warfare is so intense, because we're on the cusp right now of this massive awakening. We're on the cusp right now of God bringing the, the people that have been unchurched, that the church is not touched. See, the devil was fine when, when we were staying inside the four walls. He was doing his little divisive things there and trying to cause problems. But he was happy for the most part because the church wasn't invading the culture. That's how the culture got to as dark as it is right now. And, and those of you in this room and online, you know the warfare is intense. Why? Because God knows that you're part of the end time remnant. He knows that there's a plan for your life. There's a purpose that these God's got way more in store for you. And so everything that you walk through, none of it's going to be wasted. Those experiences, think about King David, everything that he experienced up until when he became king. He went through so many different trials and tests and attacks and warfare. He fought a giant. He fought a lion. He fought a bear. He eventually became the king of Israel, who, by the way, was a man after God's heart. But, but God shows us these examples in Scripture time after time of folks that weren't the ones that people would have chose. They weren't the people that, got, you know, if you look at the resume, you know, sometimes people say, well, it looks good on paper. But then, you, you know, the person gets in the position and they can't fill the shoes because they weren't anointed for it. See, they can be talented, but they got to be anointed. David was anointed. He, there's a difference between talent and anointing. That we're not going to be able to fake the anointing. And so we're going to have to take difficult stances. I'm just going to tell you, these last couple years, as you can hear, my voice is hoarse, like continuously now because I preach so much. But the deal is, is I've been tested more than ever before in the ministry. The enemy has tried every single area you can think of to try to get me to cave, to back down, to give in, to compromise. I've lost friends over it. Okay, I've, I've got uninvited to places. I've lost a lot of financial opportunities. And trust me, when, when you are in need of certain things, like those things, it's hard to say no. But when, when you have a mandate from the Lord, and you know that if you go there, it's literally you're going against the calling, you're going against what God said, you can't do it. But I'm just telling you, because I know many of you relate to what I'm saying, you've had to take some tough stances. And you've had some people get real mad at you. And you know, why is this not a mega church right now? You know why? Because we're not sitting here saying a bunch of things that tickle people's ears. 
You know, people think like, oh, we can't do the same thing. You think I can't do that same thing? I worked in marketing before. You give me a break. If I wanted to do that, we could do it. And everybody say, oh, look at God's moving. Is he really though? Because I'd rather have 20 remnant people than have 2,000 people that don't even care about what the word of God says. Think about it. Two can set 10,000 to flight. God, Jesus himself, fully God and fully man, poured into 12 the most. Those people changed the world. It's been a mentality that we've been walking with followers or likes or views or how many people that that's a move of God. It's only a move of God if the spirit of God is there. It's only a move of God if people are getting set free, healed, and delivered. It's only a move of God if the Lord is moving. Because you could go to a Taylor Swift concert. It'll be packed. The presence of God isn't there. I mean, there's these people, they call themselves Swifties, you know? I mean, the place is packed, but there's no anointing. There only, well, I won't say there's no anointing, but it ain't the God anointing. Because you can't do a, a scene with witchcraft and evil stuff and expect the God. No, that's not God. But it's infiltrated every area of our culture. It's on, on YouTube. If you have a child, you know what I'm talking about? You can't even leave them alone for 10 minutes. There's something on there. It's on the streaming platforms. It's in our jobs, the big corporations. It's in medical. It's everywhere. Because it's been, we're so late right now that it's now infiltrated the courts. It's infiltrated political positions. Even when you got this thing that's going on in Congress. You know, my friend was telling me, because everybody was saying, oh, well, Donald Trump's going to run for... You know, Speaker of the House, they say, I'm going to tell you why that's not going to work, because there's so many Republicans that are not even real. The rhinos, right? So just as there's bad Democrats, there's bad Republicans too. It's the same spirit. It's, they call it the uniparty. Then you've got people that are actually real, but they're the remnant. Just like in the, in the church, there's the remnant. And then there's people that are willing to compromise in big areas. I mean, you see these people with the, with the LGBTQ, they have the whole thing over there, and they're standing in a pulpit. Have you seen this? They're standing in a church, blaspheming. They literally have a, a, a transvestite come in, and, you know, it's okay. It's like in the church. No, it's not okay. That's blasphemy. But people aren't saying this stuff because it's not correct. And you get taken down. You get censored. And so just like what happened in Nazi Germany, and people say, how can that ever happen again? We're seeing the same thing here because people say, what happened to the church when the Jews were being persecuted? Where were they? Our whole lives we thought of this. Well, now we know because it's the same thing. Amen or oh me? So here's the deal, though. The Lord is raising up this group of people. We know these perilous times will come. We already know all that stuff. But the Spirit of God is upon me. How many can say that the Spirit of God is upon me? And when the Spirit of God is upon you, it doesn't matter if there's armies. Listen, we talked about Gilgal. They went to Gilgal and they got circumcised there. They were in pain. And what they do? They walked around Jericho and the walls came down. Not by power, not by might, not by power, by the Spirit. The Spirit of God is upon me. you got to understand what this means. The Spirit of God is upon you. We don't, want to, we don't want to displease the Spirit of the Lord. We don't, we don't, want, to, we don't want to do something that, that grieves the Spirit. That's why I talk about protecting the anointing. Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon us, we, are the, we talked about last week, we're the body of Christ. 
But we got to understand what that means. The Spirit of God is upon us. When David came up with those few stones and he was ready and no one else wanted to fight Goliath, you know why he was who he was and was able to do what he did? is Because he knew the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. When you go to the court case and when something's against you, you know the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. When you talk to the boss that, that's persecuting you, you've got to know the Spirit of God is upon you. When you have the family member that's coming against you, you've got to know the Spirit of God is upon me. God equips his people, anointing them to be beacons of hope and light. Hallelujah. Let me give you a couple more here. Galatians 6, 9. As I have my hoarse voice, this is really appropriate. Galatians 6, 9. It says, and let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Hallelujah. You know, I always think about the part where it says, do not grow weary in doing good. But I don't always think about the part where it says, in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. That's because the enemy wants us to lose heart. His job is to discourage us. Give us anxiety, give us fear, give us doubt, give us depression. Those are all spiritual attacks. Doubt, fear. All of it. Fear is not of God. We know it. Because it says, what place does fear have with love? Perfect love casts out fear. I've not given you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Fear is not of God. But how often, as believers, do we have fear try to come on us? Doubt try to come on us. I tell you guys, I was at that Christian university. I'll say it again just in case you didn't hear this story. All future preachers and evangelists. And all of a sudden, the Lord said, speak about doubt. So I started speaking about doubt. And I said, raise your hand if you've been dealing with doubt. And of course, at first, it's just like one or two people. Before we're done, it's like 75% of the place. These are future preachers. They're dealing with doubt. I guarantee you if we had most pastors in the country get in a room and we said, how many of you are dealing with doubt? It would be the same. Because you know them by their fruit. And if they didn't have the doubt, then they would understand that the Spirit of the Lord is upon them. And if you understand that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you, that means you're going to be doing things that otherwise you would not be doing. You're going to be taking what people would say are risks, but you know God said it. You're going to be walking places and saying things that you would not ordinarily say, but you know the Spirit of God is upon you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. But we can't lose heart. Two more scriptures. Zechariah, I'm going back. Zechariah 12.3. And these are back to the events in Israel and end-time prophecies. While the adversaries are going to be rallying, God has a plan for his chosen city that is unshakable. We've got to know the end result. We've got to know, even though we see wars and rumors of wars and we see things aligning, we, think, we see things being set up, we know already what's going to happen. The devil is already defeated. He's already under our feet. Even though the things are happening in the news, and so the news at this point, I truly believe this, the mainstream corporate media is designed to wear down the saints. If you sit and you intake that, and you intake it, and you intake it, and you intake it, you're going to be down. You are not going to walk away encouraged, I guarantee you. Even 20 years ago, they would have stories that would encourage you. That, those are gone. Everything is to wear you down. Remember they used to have like the nice story, you know, about puppies or something, you know, kids. Those are gone. Now it's just a bombardment bombarded with bad news war war this is happening this is happening by the time you're done it's all fear because you know why that's they actually market that that's their product 
That is their product. You got to understand, if you want clicks and likes and all that, say something really bombastic. It doesn't have to be good. It can be bad. You'll get likes. You'll get follows. You get, people are drawn to this, and they know it. They use algorithms and all kinds of marketing testing. Trust me, I've been in the marketing world. They, they do all these little tests and they see. You don't think they know what to say to get people's attention? You don't think they know what to, what to say to get people to click on that thing? That's why everything's so bad. Because bad news sells. Do you know that? I'm telling you, it, it goes the same in the church. I hate to say it. But, you know, the people that are saying things that are not of God, it's, people are drawn to it for some reason because it's that same spirit of trying to allure. You know, say something that isn't true but sounds good. Oh, yeah, I want to hear that. You know, it's the same lying spirit. And that's why we've got to walk and know the spirit of God is upon us. We have discernment. We have wisdom. We know what the scripture says. And we're watchmen. Pastor Lorraine mentioned it. Watchmen. Walking in this car anointing. All right, Zechariah 12, 3, it says, And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all people. All will heave it away, for it will surely cut into pieces. Wait, all who heave it away will surely be cut in pieces through all nations of the earth are gathered, though all nations of the earth are gathered against it. So in other words, God is just saying, look, even though they're gathered against it, they're going to be cut down. They're going to be defeated. I, I read this earlier, but we got to just understand that. They're going to surround, but they're going to be defeated. It's not going to win. They're not going to win. So when we hear all the doom and gloom, we just got to remember, it's not, they're not going to win. The Bible has never been wrong. Not one single time. We already know the end. In Romans 8.31, you don't have to turn there. Romans 8.31, it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So what I want you to get, if you didn't get anything else tonight, is the Spirit of God is upon you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? So when the people come against you, just remember, it's, you're fighting a spirit. When, when they're attacking you, when they're coming against you, when the discouragement tries to come on you, when people, all this bad news, all the people that are trying to persecute you, remember, it's because the spirit that lives in you. It's the, if you have the Holy Spirit living in you, which you do if you've accepted Jesus, then of course there's going to be opposition. But greater is he that is in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. No weapon formed. Why do I say it every time we pray? No weapon, no weapon, no weapon, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. The gates of hell will not prevail. We already win. It's a fixed fight. Satan is a fallen archangel. And we serve the God of heaven and earth. We already know the end. We already know how this goes. So the disconnect is somehow in our humanity, we don't embrace the truth. Because if we did, we wouldn't have the fear and the worry and the doubt. If we embraced the truth, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be so conflicted when that person that we love is so mean-spirited. Because they're, they're, they're not in the spirit. Because what is the fruit of the spirit? Love. Kindness, love, patience, long-suffering. So if somebody is coming at you with a non-fruit, then you know it's not of God. Amen. Now, do we all do that sometimes? Sure. But the deal is, is that if you're living a consecrated life, you love the Lord, you're going to live a repentant life. And when you're off, the Spirit of God is going to convict you. And through that conviction, you make it right. And you, and you repent. Somebody that's not convicted means there's a problem in their walk. If they're able to repetitively sin or hurt you or come against you and there's no repentance, there's something wrong there. And so we have to pray for them. 
And so that what we've got to be careful of, and hear this, okay? I'm almost done here, but hear this. Don't let that spirit come on you to get you to have anxiety. That is, that is the, the weapon that the enemy uses. That's right. Stop watching the news. I agree with that. Turn it off. Or, or if you do have to watch it, make sure you rebuke after the lies of it. Uh, that's why we do it. People want to say, well, pastor, why, why are pastors doing podcasts in 2023? That's why. Because there's, there's an audience of people that want to hear the truth and don't want to hear the nonsense. And so it's just like in old times, the, the, the Christians have become, you know, back in the day, the Christians used to have the schools. We used to teach. We used to, the whole, the, everything was built around the church. And slowly, society took everything away. And they put in what? Government. But it's reprobate. It, it's demonic. And that's why they're able to have these curriculums. Because you can see the spirit behind it. That's right. So, so when people say, oh, it's dominionism to take back the territory. No, it's actually scripture. Okay, we're supposed to invade culture. We're supposed to lead the culture. It says we're the head and not the tail. I don't believe in all this stuff that they push on some of that stuff. But I'm just saying, like, it's biblical that the church is meant to go in. To go out, to cast out, to drive out. They say you're a nationalist, you're this, you're that. No, that's just the Bible. They put some name on it so that they, just like conspiracy theory, so they can try to stop you from believing it. And a lot of people fall for that trap. But the truth is, is that they don't want the Bible invading culture. They don't want Christianity invading culture because they know that that's how things turn around. That's how they're defeated. The Spirit of God is upon us. See, David walked up with that anointing because he knew who he was. And that is the devil's worst nightmare is that the church knows who we are. So here's what I would encourage you tonight, because I know a lot of people are heavy right now. I, how do I know? Because I, all week long, people call me and they're heavy. All week, everywhere we go, we pray for people and they're heavy laden. And especially the last couple years, after the sea and all that stuff, it's just been exasperated. It's been tense. And so I just pray that you're renewed in your faith tonight. I pray upon everyone in this group and everybody online that there's a renewal. There's a strengthening in our faith. We don't care about numbers in this place. We don't care about the stuff that the world cares about. What we care about is the Spirit of God is upon us. The Spirit of God is upon us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? And so I just thank you, God. Let's bow our heads right now. Thank you, God, that your word is true. And we will not grow weary in doing good. But we will endure until the end. Jesus, your name is holy. Your name is worthy. Jesus, you are the author and the finisher of our story. I just pray right now for everybody in this place and online. Hallelujah. Restore, renew, refresh. Take away the fear, the doubt, the anxiety. Your spirit is upon us. Your spirit is upon the righteous remnant. Your spirit, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. That same spirit that told Lazarus to come forth. That same spirit that took out Goliath. Your spirit is upon us. Your spirit is upon us. Hallelujah. Let's stand up right now. Just stay in that attitude of prayer as the Lord is moving in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We receive a fresh touch of your spirit. Just lift your hands and your voices. We receive a, a touch of your spirit, Jesus. 
fresh anointing, fresh fire, not growing weary, standing on your promise, God. We don't believe the prophets of Baal. We don't believe the lies of the enemy. Let us keep our eyes on you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Our brother Lance is going to lead us in a song here before we dismiss. Thank you, God. Give them praise, church. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Lord, we just thank you so much for such a precious, just sweet spirit that's in here of your Holy Spirit tonight. Lord, I pray that everyone that leaves would be refreshed, everybody online. Lord God, we're in this for the long haul. We're, we're not going to grow weary. We're going to stand on your promise. Your spirit is with us. And Lord, we're going to endure until the end because we are the victorious church. So I just thank you for this amazing group of people that you brought together for such a time as this. I pray blessing and favor over them, and we speak against the infirmity that's come against some tonight. Lord, we pray next week everybody would be able to be here, those that are sick tonight. And Lord God, we just bless your name. You are worthy. You are holy. You are mighty. We glorify your name, Jesus. Everyone said amen.